Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is May 17th, 2023. We continue our series, Words for Life, and today's word is rejection. So, how do we endure suffering? that has been caused by rejection. Are we prepared to suffer through such difficult times? As Christians, if God allowed His Son to experience rejection, trials, and hardships, why wouldn't we expect them in our own lives? You know, sometimes we, or people in general, but let's make it personal, we, sometimes we suffer for doing what is right. You've probably heard the statement, life's not fair. Yet, we want it to be fair. We have this sense of what we think is right and wrong, the sense of justice. And the sense of justice, it is right and wrong, it, it forms in us, in our understanding. We, we believe that When you do right, you should be rewarded. And when you do wrong, you should be punished. We want the bad guys to get what they deserve. We expect good things should happen to good people. And people who follow the rules and do good should have good things happen to them. And this thought process is prevalent throughout society. How do I know that? Because we, people in this society, we struggle when bad things happen to good people. It can even cause believers to question their faith. Why would God allow this bad thing to happen to good people? And one of the most basic trials that you see is when good people are rejected. I've done the right things. I've done everything I should be. Why Why do you not like me? Why do you hate me? Why do you reject me? And when we see this, it's not just something we see or know. We, we, we feel it. We feel this rejection. We feel suffering when we see people suffering unjustly. So when we think about rejection, we have to understand that there's another word that flows with it, and that's acceptance. Acceptance and rejection, they're both matters of trust. It's a key influencer in our lives. And today we're talking about rejection. Let's look at some scripture. We're going to start off with our readings today. We're going to begin with Acts chapter 17, verses 16 through 13. 
Now while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshippers, and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said, He seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods, because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears, therefore we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time doing nothing else but to either tell or to hear or some new thing. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive in all things that you are very religious. For I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship. I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And also some of you, your own poets, have said, for we also or his offspring. Therefore, since we are his offspring of God, we ought not to think that divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art or man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance to this to all by raising him from the dead. So Paul has been brought into the Areopagus. This is a place in Athens where all the philosophers would gather and they would want to hear all the, the newest teachings and ideas and religions and, and various things. And so Paul goes there to teach about his, quote, new religion. The, his Christianity is beginning to come to the people of Europe. And so he's there, and he begins to speak and teach in a manner that will elicit a positive impression. He wants them to, 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 to hear his motives and to, to, to hear what he has to say. And you see, many of these philosophers, they would view Jews as just uh, another babbler of old ideas, they didn't think that the, the religion of the Jews was uh, relevant or important to the times. And even though Paul was a Christian and was preaching the gospel and, and, and Christianity, they just saw him as just another Jew and another teaching about their Jehovah. So when he begins to speak, he moves in a way that... that puts them on edge. They, they want to hear what he has to say. Now, there's some keys there. He talks about he 
gets a group of Stoics and Epicureans. And we have to understand, see, the Stoics, they believed that there was a God who was the source of all life. Um, they had different ideas on what God this was, but they believed that a being, a God created all life. And the Epicureans, uh, they believed that uh, a God, a God like that, a being that created everything, doesn't need anything from anyone. And so you see that Paul begins to build common ground because he begins to talk about the fact that God created all things and he made everything in the heavens and in the world and the earth. And he, but he also reached out to the Epicureans. Uh, he doesn't need temples made with human hands. He doesn't need to be worshiped by men. Um, and, and so he's, he's appealing to both of them and they're, they're, they're hearing this and they're, they're interested and they're, they're listening to what he has to say. And he even brings up their inscription to this unknown God. And Paul says, I'm going to tell you about this unknown God. And, and, and he preaches and, and things are going well. They're on the, they're, they're, they're interested. They're on the, the edge of their seats wanting to hear. And then he gets to a point when we see rejection occur. Yes, Paul faced rejection. See, he brought him to a point of acceptance and rejection. And it wasn't that he was said Jesus rose from the dead. A lot of people teach that this is where they, they flipped out and said it's not true. That That's not where they they freaked out about. Uh, you look at the, the ancient Greek mythology and the Romans, and they had no issues believing in miracles and tall tales. That, that, to hear someone raised from the dead, that to them that's just another miraculous tall tale. No, what got them to a point of rejection is when he says this living God will judge the world with justice. And he proved it by raising Jesus from the dead. See, they, they could they could accept the resurrection. See, the Jews couldn't have issues with that. Gentiles didn't have any issues with the miracle. They had issue with the judgment. Because the second they heard that, in their mind, this became an acceptance or rejection issue. Because they loved their life. They loved their lifestyle and they didn't want accountability. Because if they had to be accountable, they felt that they would be rejected. So better to reject this God and idea than to be rejected by God. And so they they rejected. And there was a, a big uproar about this. Let's continue. I want to look at another scripture passage as we talk about rejection. 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 13 through 22. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. Do not be afraid of their threats nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord your God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, 
those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if, if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but be made alive by the Spirit, by whom he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering awaited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. There was also an antitype, which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of filth in the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers, having been made subject to him. See, here Peter, he, he, he ends with this, you know, judgment. God is at the right, Jesus is at the right hand of God. All powers, authorities, angels, they're subject to him. We as people are subject to him. But he begins his statement by saying, um, giving us this sort of a heads up. We shouldn't be afraid to suffer for doing good. See, we, we, we shouldn't fear harm for doing something good. Paul's example, he shouldn't be afraid of speaking the truth. And of course he wasn't. Paul has written, I'm not ashamed. And, and he stood many times. And here P- Peter is, is teaching on this. He's talking to us that we shouldn't live in fear of doing the right thing. And I, and I expressed that's, that's a, an idea people they struggle with. If, where's God? If good, if, if, if good people do good things, why should they be punished or suffer bad things that happen to them? And here Peter, he's given this, listen, you shouldn't even be surprised about it, you suffering for doing what is right. And he, of course, gives the example that Christ is the example for us. He lived a life to be example, and he, he suffered unjustly. He, he suffered for our sin, for our uh, uh, bad things. He took that all upon himself willingly to suffer. And, you know, who, who are we to be better th- than him as Christians if he did this and were to follow his example we should be willing to. But there's some also some truths in this that we need to stop and admit and examine. And one of those is, I'll go back to, before I started reading Acts, I said, you know, life's not fair. We want life to be fair. We want things to work out. Today in our society, there's all this social movement for justice. We want social justice. We want equality or we want equity we want fairness we want the whole thing with equity is the idea that someone was cheated and therefore to be fair you must take that out on those that quote oppressed now those that are oppressed don't exist anymore because those were a long time ago but in all equity we have to make someone else suffer so that those who suffered can now reap the benefits. 
that it, but it stems from we we want fairness. The problem is is that life isn't fair. Life isn't fair. If it was fair, you would like it because you and I we would get the justice we deserve, which is as the Bible says, no one is good. No, not one. We all deserve to suffer. We live in a fallen world that is not God's fault. It's man's fault. And so man should have to suffer. When Jesus came and he did what? He suffered for us. He did this. He did this thing. And so what I want us to understand is that in a fallen world, life is not fair and everyone will suffer. Everyone at some point will suffer. And as I say this, there have been points in my life I have suffered things. I've suffered the loss of loved ones. I've suffered hardships. I've suffered times when I didn't have money for food. I didn't have money for 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 shelter. It was it was it was it was God's mercy and miraculous power that preserved me. I've 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 faced hardships and you as a listener you you may have faced hardships as well um some people have endured beatings molestations terrible sufferings and if you're listening to this and you go well i've never suffered anything you will because this world is a place of suffering you can't get away from it no matter how rich you are, I, I guarantee you, you can be rich. You can you can pad yourself all up, and 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 when you lose your first loved one, and you will because why we live in a fallen world, people die. People die. You know, I, I've known people that just have tried to secure themselves, and and yet they go out on a party, and a drunk driver suddenly, you know, destroys their their life, then um, and they suffer greatly. We can't control those things. But here, I want you to understand this. I don't want to be a downer, but understand what Peter says. If we're going to suffer, if you're going to suffer, shouldn't it be for doing good instead of doing evil? See, if you if you do something evil, you you deserve to suffer. And you and I know that. That's the whole thing about the whole, I want life to be fair. We won't the bad guys to be punished. We want that sort of stuff. The trouble is, is that we don't realize that sometimes we're the bad guy. So if we do something evil, we should suffer. I mean, we did it. That's, that's In all fairness, we should get that. But here Peter says, no, listen, you have a choice. If you're going to do it, shouldn't you suffer for doing something good? You see, the power of the gospel puts choices in our life. If we're going to suffer, shouldn't you use the power of God to do something right? That's what Jesus did. Jesus chose to be righteous. I mean, he, he was righteous. He was holy. But he chose to suffer for you and I. He did a good thing for us. He, he chose that point. And likewise for us in this evil dark wood world, shouldn't we choose to do the right thing, even if it means we're going to suffer? 
Now, hold, hold on to this. Let us look into our passage in John. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 23. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may, may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth in whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You will live also at that day. You will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So in this little discourse, Jesus is speaking, and you know, he says something both terrifying and very comforting. He says that he will not leave you as orphans. He will come to you. Now we've been talking about suffering, a little bit about rejection, but here, as, as we top off this discussion about rejection, see, the terrifying thing is, in what he says is that word orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. Let's look at this. Do you understand that he's saying there that there are going to be times in your life you're going to feel alone, like you've been orphaned, like you've been abandoned, you have been rejected. See, many orphans, I know in studies with, with children, Many times when they're orphaned, even if their parents were killed in some car accident or something tragic that wasn't anyone's fault, the children still feel guilty like their parents abandoned them. They left them. And there are times in our lives when we go through circumstances, where we go through things that we feel orphaned. There's no one there for us. Everyone has turned their backs. There's even times as Christians that you feel like, where is God? Where is God? You feel orphaned and abandoned and alone. And Jesus is telling you right here, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And he's following this up with the spirit of truth. Now, this is John 14. And last week we read a scripture earlier in this passage, John 14, where Jesus says that he was the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Jesus is truth, and he's going to send us the spirit of truth so that we can know him. It is the truth. When Jesus says, I will come to you, that is the truth, because he is truth. And he's saying that even when you feel abandoned and rejection, rejected by God, he's not leaving us. He's coming to us. See, the truth is that he never leaves us. He sent us his spirit. In this translation, he says, I will give you another, a helper. 
um, I, I believe in the NIV, it says comforter, um, the helper, the comforter. Another translation says the counselor. See, this Holy Spirit, he's our helper, he's our comforter, he's our counselor, he's with us. And at the end of Matthew, Jesus said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And he's with us by his spirit. And you see, the world can't see. The world can't see this. See, that's where uh, his disciple Judas, not the Judas Iscariot, the other Judas, he, he says to him, Lord, how is it that you won't manifest yourself to the world? And the world, they, they can't see this point. And, and Christian, if you listening to me feel like you've been abandoned and, and you can't see Jesus, quit looking with the eyes of the world. You see, the world may reject us. People may reject us. We may even have to suffer for doing the right thing. But you see, Jesus never rejects us. He never leaves us. He's always with us. You know, the the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit is given to us as a guarantee. It is a promise. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5.5, that the spirit is given to us as a guarantee. A guarantee of what? That Jesus is coming back for you and I. He will not leave us alone. He will come to us. This is a promise that he will someday do. You see, all of us are going to face death at some point. And if we don't, it's because he is going to rapture us. He's going to come in the clouds and physically take us right off the planet. So all of us are going to face one of these two days. We will either die a death or he will come in the clouds and snatch us up. Now, if we're alive when he's snatching us up, you're, it's because there is a time coming upon the world that is going to be so bad, and things will be bad, but it, it, it's so bad that he says, no more for my people. So I, what I want you to understand is that the level of suffering, you can't get any further down than the moment you're staring death in the face. See, at that moment, of, of all the suffering, out of everything you're about to endure, the, the minute you have to stare death in the face, Jesus comes for you. He will not leave you alone. He will not orphan you. And in this moment, in this moment of time, whether it's you, you're just growing old and it's your day, or whether the whole world is, is facing the apocalypse and this is the end, he will come to you. He will come for you. He will not leave you alone in this moment. He's always with us. And you see, when you think that you're enduring terrible things and, oh, I'm suffering, he's with you then. But know that at the moment it gets to the point where you think, I can take no more, if that is truly the moment, he will be there for you. He is there in that moment. He is the judge. And he has accepted you. He has forgiven you. He has redeemed you. See, he suffered and bled so that he could do this for you. Because he loves you. See, we didn't first love him. We rejected him. But he 
chose to love us. When we might have rejected him, he doesn't reject us. You know, there's a famous Braveheart quote from the movie Braveheart, where Braveheart is, he's got his Scottish men on the hill, and they're looking at this English army, and they're getting a little scared, and they're wanting to run, and he tells these guys, would, would you be willing, it, you, you could run, you could live, and someday you'll be old, you'll be lying in your bed, ready to die, and he goes, he goes, in that moment, if, if you run away from this fight, and you live your long life, and you're, you're lying in your bed, preparing to die, in that moment of death, would you be willing to give up from this moment of this fight all the way to that death? Would you be willing to trade all those days for one chance, one chance for freedom, to fight for freedom, to give yourself, your, your family, your children, your children's children, freedom, something more? And the answer is, well, yeah, when you're standing at death, and that's the thing about quote, regrets, is when you're there, you look back and you go, well, yeah, I would trade this time. I would take the gamble now. I would take it now because you're facing it. But he, he says, can you look forward? Can you do this now? You know, for us, Jesus is saying, would you be willing to take heat? Would you be willing to suffer rejection for following and loving him? Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to trade that? Because in doing so, he's faithful. He won't reject you. And in the end, he's going to say, well done, my faithful servant. He will come to you and you will enter in to the rewards that he is waiting for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us, that you will not leave us. You will come to us in our time of need that you've prepared a place for us, and you will always be there. Jesus, I thank you that you are the ultimate judge, and you will reward those who have done so for you. Lord, we thank you. I ask that you would strengthen those. You would comfort those through your spirit. Be the comforter to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you for listening to this podcast. You can listen to other podcasts and other teachings on our website, www.christianimpact.net. And until next time, God bless. Mm-hmm.